0: It's been a year since Russia made that minor incursion, as Joe called it, into Ukraine, and the Democrats and rhinos are commemorating it by promising more of your hard-earned tax dollars to Zelensky and co. I don't know about you, but that makes me physically ill. Former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski joins me to dig into that and so much more. Then, the DeMar Hamlin cardiac arrest sent shockwaves through the sports world, but he's not the only one who could have been impacted by the COVID vaccine. This is the scandal no one in sports, big tech, big government or big pharma wants to atone for, but they're going to have to. I have the president and founder of the Health Freedom Defense Fund on deck and she's calling on the NFL Players Association to do something about it. And last but not least, we've been lied to about COVID and a lot of other things for nearly three years now and I'm hopping mad with some final thoughts. The show starts now. So late last week marked the one year anniversary of Russia's incursion into Ukraine. It's a solemn anniversary for the Ukrainian people, but as for their weaselly tracksuit wearing leader Zelensky, well it just marks one year since he hit the frickin' lottery. We've committed a whopping $76.8 billion. that comes out to over $210 million per day for those who are counting, and believe me, I am. And the spigot is far from dry, folks. Late last week, the U.S., and when I say the U.S., I mean Democrats and rhinos, because none of us agreed to this, committed another $2 billion in additional assistance for drones, ammunition, and more. So, Americans, your Social Security might be drying up, your military might be learning gender inclusion and pronoun awareness, but Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin wants you to know, in this biggest metaphorical screw you yet, that we need to recommit ourselves to supporting Ukraine's brave defenders for the long haul and to recall that the stakes of Russia's war stretch far beyond Ukraine. Well, he is right about one thing. The stakes do stretch far beyond Ukraine because there is nothing our enemies love more than watching us hemorrhage billions to Ukraine. They love watching the number one world power being sucked dry by Zelensky as our own border is overrun and we foot the bill for millions of illegals. And folks, this is the person you're sending your tax dollars to, by the way. Do you feel stupid yet? Or do you have confidence in that little turd? Because I sure as hell do not. And here is my controversial opinion. Take it for what you will. I don't think Zelensky wants this thing to end. That's why he won't negotiate. The minute this thing ends is the minute his spotlight fades and his line of credit gets cut off. We are being played. And for the liberals, it's even more embarrassing because y'all are so dedicated to the Biden circus, you let him convince you to become pro-war. Unbelievable, truly. And to the Republicans who are egging this on, we've got your number and we will not forget how you push for Ukraine first and America last. We know this isn't about the people of Ukraine for you. It's about funding the military-industrial complex to curry favor with your big defense corps special interests. Consider yourselves on notice and don't get too cozy in your elected seats. Still ahead, I've got former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski on deck. And from Trump railing on DeSantis to the Ukraine rhinos and so much more, I'm putting him on the hot seat. That's next. Hey guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless, right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick vip members only so head to outkick.com vip now to join and reserve your spot space is limited i'll see you soon 2024 can't come soon enough it really can't and yeah i'm counting it's 693 more days of joe but what are republicans gonna do So far, we've got the 51-year-old whippersnapper Nikki Haley. We've got entrepreneur, commentator, and author Vivekram Swamy with his hat in the ring. And, of course, the one and only Donald J. Trump. So what's next? Will we have 16 candidates on the debate stage like we did ahead of 2016? And the question everyone wants to know, including me, will Ron DeSantis run? And when it's all said and done, who is it going to be? Well, a new Fox News poll indicates Trump is still the front-runner. This is all going to be very interesting, and unfortunately, I predict, very ugly. But joining me now with his take is former Trump campaign manager and Republican strategist, Corey Lewandowski. Corey, it's great to have you back.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So I want to start out with that, and I have a lot of things to ask you, so we're going to go on a few tangents. But I do have to start off with that Fox News poll. I mean, if there's any poll to me that's representative of the Republican Party, it's a Fox News poll, quite honestly. I don't really believe a lot of other polls when it comes to, you know, Republicans and who our candidate is going to be because I think they hate Trump and DeSantis and everyone else. But when a Fox News poll shows Trump polling as high as he is, what do you think that indicates this early on?
1: Well, look, it indicates a couple of very important things. Number one, Donald Trump is by far and away still the leader of the Republican Party. You know, there's a lot of the mainstream media that doesn't want to say that. They want to go after him. You go on Drudge, it says the walls are closing in. The same thing they've been saying about Donald Trump for the last six years. But what else does the poll say? It shows that Chris Christie, Chris Sununu, Larry Hogan, Asa Hutchison, All received zeros, not one, but they get 0% in a Republican primary poll that Fox News conducted because there is no place for them in the Republican Party as an American first candidate. So, what you see right now is you see Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis both out espousing how they want to put America first, followed by obviously Nikki Haley, who's now an announced candidate, Mike Pence's. Uh, In the top four of this, and then you see Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz. I don't think either one of them will actually get into the race. But the message that resonates with conservatives and specifically with the Fox News audience is when you put America first, you'll be successful.
0: So what did you think about the Nikki Haley announcement. Now, I want to be honest with you, Corey. I don't really care for Nikki Haley. I, I don't like her. I thought her announcement was corny. I thought it's also pretty pathetic that the only reason people really cared about her announcement was because of what Don Lemon said about her. But I think she has no chance. I think that she knows she has no chance. I feel like she's running to up her name ID and then be chosen as somebody's running mate. Do you think that that's at all a possibility and the motivation behind why she announced?
1: Tommy, I think that Nikki Haley, who has not been on a ballot in 10 years, doesn't truly understand what it's like to get elected anymore. And look, what has she done? Sure, she served as the governor of South Carolina for six years. She left. She served two years as the ambassador to the United Nations. But if that's the criteria for becoming the president, that means that John Bolton should also be the uh, president of the United States because he served as the ambassador to the United Nations. I think Nikki Haley. Looked at this as an opportunity to raise her name ID to continue to solicit money from donors who were tired of giving her money for really what had been nothing but a vanity project. So Nikki's now in this race. She is an individual who is attracting attention because of her background as a very young and successful governor. But it's been 10 years since she's been on the ballot. That's a lifetime in politics.
0: She also has an interesting relationship with Donald Trump because as we know, when he was running, she had nothing but awful things to say about him. In fact, really likened him to somebody that supports the KKK. I mean, she had nothing but negative things to say about Donald Trump. And then he gave her a position. So then all of a sudden she started to defend him somewhat. And then January 6th happened. She flip-flopped again. Now she seemingly asked for his blessing, but she wants to show that she is a younger generation Republican. I mean, to me, she a neocon rhino. I think she has no chance. But what about this Vivek? So Vivek has been on Fox News with me a number of times, and I think he's incredibly intelligent. I like to be on television with him, but I also think he has no shot in hell.
1: Hey, Tommy, let me just back up for one second on Nikki Haley. Look, the reason that Nikki Haley got the job in the Trump administration, I was there when the decision was made, is so that the lieutenant governor, Henry McMaster, who supported Donald Trump in the primaries and was the only statewide office holder, would be promoted to governor. Look, remember, Nikki Haley was supporting Marco Rubio in that 2016 race. And so Donald Trump said, hey, Henry, when I win, I'm going to give Nikki a job and you're going to become the governor. And Henry's been a great friend and a stalwart supporter of Donald Trump, Henry McMaster, the current governor of South Carolina. As it relates to Vivek, I've had the opportunity to listen to him speak. I've had the opportunity to meet with him a few times now. I'm very impressed. There's no doubt he's an intelligent individual. He's 37 years old. He sold his first company for about $2 billion and he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I think what you see with Vivek is an opportunity, again, to raise his name, to increase his profile, to spend some resources, to tell a story about someone who's become successful because of the amazing opportunities that this country gives us. But he was only successful because of the policies of Donald Trump and what he did to make Vivek successful. So I think Vivek has a a huge future, probably in a cabinet position somewhere or as an ambassador somewhere. I don't think Vivek truly believes he's gonna be the next president of the United States.
0: No, I don't think so either, because everybody already knows Ron DeSantis has not even announced yet, and everybody knows this is a Trump versus DeSantis race. I don't know why people are bothering with all the noise and commotion around announcing their candidacy, because we all know what it's going to shake down to if Ron DeSantis does, in fact, announce. Now, I know that you know the inside game of all of this, so the word on the street, I, I know that you, you've you got the little birds chirping in your ear. You know better than I. Do you think we're going to get an announcement out of Ron DeSantis? And if we do, when do you think that's going to be?
1: I think Ron DeSantis ultimately does make the decision to run for president. You know, he will not do that while the Florida legislature is in session. Uh, He can't raise money while the Florida legislature is in session. So what you're going to see is Ron DeSantis is going to try and have a very successful legislative session up in Tallahassee. Uh, When he does that, He's going to be able to parlay that and continue to talk about the success of the state of Florida and tell everybody what he was able to achieve. It is obviously helpful when you have Republican majorities in both the House and the Senate. It's obviously helpful when, by and large, you have a mainstream media who's continuing to praise Ron DeSantis for the work that he's done. And he has a number of significant institutional donors, those six and seven figure donors and in some cases, eight figure donors who benefited from the Trump policies while he was in the White House, but no longer support Donald Trump. So I believe Ron DeSantis is gonna get in this race. I believe he's gonna have an enormous checkbook. But if it was just about a checkbook, Hillary Clinton would have been the president, Jeb Bush would have been our last nominee in 2016. It's not about that. It's about who can win, who can bring people with them, and who truly believes you're fighting for America. And right now, the Fox News poll clearly indicates that Donald Trump is still the favorite amongst those who are most likely to show up and vote in Republican primaries.
0: I think a lot of Trump supporters, myself included, are just struggling with the amount that he's going to have to overcome to win a general election. I think he was a fantastic president. I think he would be a fantastic president again, but I think a lot of us Trump supporters are out there thinking, you know, I'm not sure that Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis would have a different legislative agenda or a different leadership style. I think that they would be very similar in the policies and the leadership they would bring about. So a lot of folks are thinking, you know, Ron DeSantis does not have the baggage that Donald Trump has. He doesn't have to worry about January 6th coming up again, the focus gate, even though we know that that's a farce a lot of americans still believe it so a lot of us conservatives are out there thinking i love donald trump but shoot we can't have another democrat in that white house so what do you tell those folks and why would you would you counsel those folks like me to stay in the trump camp and not cheer for someone like a Ron DeSantis?
1: well i remind all the all the viewers that the first thing you have to do is you have to win the race that you're in And what we've seen, Tommy, too many times is people like Mitt Romney saying, well, I'm the most electable. John McCain, I'm the most electable. I can win in states that are traditionally blue states, right? That was Mitt Romney's whole pitch when he became the Republican nominee. I won as the governor of Massachusetts. How did that turn out for us? What did Donald Trump say? He said, I'm going to treat everybody the same. And you may not like it, but I'm an equal opportunist when it comes to that. And and yes, I think some of the policies of Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are going to be extremely similar. But if you can't win the primary, then you can't have a chance to win the general election. What did they tell us in 2016? Donald Trump has no chance to win. He went on to win by a decisive victory. I agree with you. The mainstream media is going to continue to attack Donald Trump. They will continue to say that the walls are closing in, that he can't win. I have some real concerns about the states of Arizona and Georgia now. States that have historically been Republican strongholds and Donald Trump that was not successful in either of those. You couple that with Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. And there is a true battle out there. And so, look, Donald Trump or the Republican nominee has to run on what they believe in, which is putting America first and not last. Not having to apologize for being the greatest country in the world, stopping the endless wars, $113 billion so far to the Ukraine, plus what was pledged from Yellen this week, which is another $10 billion. We're $123 billion. When do we take care of the people who live right here in this country? If a candidate gets out and gives that message, I believe that regardless of party affiliation, uh, socioeconomic status, or any other criteria, they can be successful as a Republican in the general election in 2024.
0: I agree with you, and I agree with that we can never go the way of a Mitt Romney or a John McCain ever, ever again. And I think that there are some Trump supporters that are trying to put that label on Ron DeSantis, though I don't think that he's anything like a Mitt Romney or a John McCain. That is what makes him so special in this. The unicorn is that we have two men that are incredibly popular and incredibly successful in their own right, and I believe both would put America first. So the last thing I want to ask you, and then I want to move on to our good friend John Fetterman, speaking of Pennsylvania, I want to ask you this. If you are counseling Donald Trump, and you may be, would you tell him that the truth social attacks on Ron DeSantis are a smart move? Because strategically, when it comes to the conservative movement, I don't think that him attacking Ron DeSantis when Ron DeSantis isn't even in the race is helpful to his campaign and his cause.
1: I would say this. You know, there were so many times where the president asked me before he tweeted something out, Uh, over the course of the last eight years that I've been associated with them. And I would say, sir, if it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. But does it really move the needle? And and look, here's what I think. I think Ron DeSantis and some of the others uh, who might get into this race are Trump supporters. They ran on the Trump mantle. Right so so why go after them if you want to talk about the success that you can bring to this country nobody questions the the judges that Donald Trump has put in place the way he's changed the Supreme Court for longevity and long term and to the benefit of the conservative movement no one questions his policies look if he thinks that saying some tweets about Ron DeSantis is going to keep Ron out of the race. You and I both know that's not the case. And I think many people believe that Ron DeSantis is one of the solutions to the problem and not the problem. Going after the old establishment all of us agreed with, the Mitt Romneys of the world, the John McCains of the world, everybody agreed with that, the Paul Ryans of the world, because those are the people who got us into this mess. It's hard for us to sit here and say that Ron has been the problem like what has been the case in the past. So look, I love Donald Trump. You know I do. He's been a friend of mine for a long time, and I'm proud to have worked for him. But I also think that he has to lay out his policies for America. And if he does that, the American people will say, that's a person we can support.
0: Well, I agree. And what I think that Trump also needs to do is he needs to reassure conservatives that he is electable. And I get what you're saying. He beat the odds the first time. He didn't the second time. So they had four years to look at Donald Trump. I don't think that they took him seriously in 2015 and 2016. But then ahead of 2020, they did take him seriously and all the guns were pointed at Donald Trump. We saw he lost. And then after that, with January 6th, I think it's going to be a big hill to climb. So if he wants to reassure Trump supporters like myself that he is our guy, he's not only going to have to outline his policies, which we know work. He's going to have to say, this is why I can win. So that's what I want to hear from him. And I don't want to hear him talk about Ron DeSantimonious. I don't want to hear that stuff. But the last thing I do want to address with you is John Fetterman. So we take mental health very seriously, and I'm not somebody who's going to chastise somebody for getting mental health. But there's a lot of discussion out there that we knew that this was going to happen. He's receiving treatment for clinical depression. Not sure if he's really going to actually be able to serve in any capacity. We know that his wife took off and left the country. What is going to happen to Pennsylvania? And is it fixable? Or what game do you think they're trying to play here?
1: You know, Tommy, it's really too bad. And the issue of mental health is one that a lot of people deal with. And unfortunately, the solutions aren't there out there and not very good for anybody. Just finding the right caregiver uh, when you have a mental health problem is not an easy thing to do. And you couple that with insurance matters. And, you know, it really puts people in a difficult spot. That being said, you know the people of Pennsylvania. I think did not fully appreciate how serious the 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 diagnosis of John Fetterman was. You know when the media had to call into question if he could actually participate in a debate, they were chastised for that surprisingly. And now he gets to the U.S. Senate, has no real auditory ability to communicate, has to have everything written. And 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 look, the people of Pennsylvania, I think, have some buyer's remorse. You know we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, we've got an election in Pennsylvania coming up next year. Senator Casey is on the ballot. I believe he's running for re-election. I think the people of Pennsylvania are very disappointed that they've elected John Fetterman to the U.S. Senate. I think Oz or McCormick, either one of them, would have made a much better United States senator. And I, I don't know if John Fetterman will have the opportunity to have the mental health issues resolved, but I think he has some lingering health matters. And every time we've raised the issue, They tell us we're being uh, disingenuous and unfair and it's not right for us. These are the same very members of the media that asked Donald Trump to release all of his clinical records, all of his health records. Uh, These are the same members of the media that when you question Joe Biden's ability to continue to be cognitively engaged, you know, call you a name or uh, belittle you because of those things. It's a double standard. And I think the people of Pennsylvania right now have significant buyer's remorse.
0: No, they certainly do. And I think it's really sad that he's in this position, but I think it's even more disgusting to me that he was put in this position, much like Joe Biden where people didn't step back and say, "This isn't good for you." Same thing as it's not good for Joe Biden. So, I said that was the last thing, but I have to just ask you real quick, is Biden going to be the nominee for the Democrats in 24? Are they going to they going to go with him again over Kamala because Kamala is that bad so they're going to push him right back into that race?
1: Jill Biden will do anything to remain in power. So she has all but said they're going to announce.
0: Look, this, this is,
1: we know you've seen it, Joe Biden falling up the stairs, his cognitive decline. He's clearly not running the country. The question is, who is? Jill Biden announced just last week that everything but the location of the uh, announcement has been planned. What's amazing to me is that the Biden people have asked three different individuals to be their campaign manager. They've all said no. I think Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. He's going to run a repeat of uh, three years ago, which is to hide in the basement, to not answer questions, to not talk to the media. He'll, by and large, get a pass from members of the mainstream media. And um, look, you know, I think Gavin Newsom could beat Joe Biden. I think he'd be a much stronger candidate in a general election. Uh, It's a generational shift. And I think if Gavin Newsom were to get in the race, Joe Biden would be in big trouble. But it's not going to be Kamala Harris.
0: I think you're exactly right about that, as much as Gavin Newsom makes me physically ill. But as we know, Don Lemon would probably still still consider Gavin Newsom in his prime. So we never know what's going to happen. Corey, thank you for being here. Thank you for all the wisdom and advice and guidance you've given us. Trump supporters and maybe some out there recovering Trump supporters, we appreciate it. And we'll wait and see if we get a a DeSantis announcement, and I'm going to have you back.
1: All the best. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Corey. All right, coming up, if professional sports cared about athletes, every league, every team, every players' association will be pushing for COVID vaccine side effect accountability. My next guest founded the Health Freedom Defense Fund and is calling on the NFL Players Association to take action. That's next. You're 24, peak physical condition, could run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctor describe what happened to you? Um,
1: um, that's something I want to stay away from.
0: In the immediate aftermath of Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin collapsing on the field due to cardiac arrest, I was one of the first who called on VAC skeptics to take a beat out of respect to Demar and his family, but now, and especially after that Good Morning America interview, not to mention the almost daily headlines about healthy athletes suffering major medical complications or even sudden death, there needs to be some atonement for all of this. My next guest penned a letter to the NFL Players Association asking for that very thing, saying the NFL needs to take COVID vaccine injuries seriously, just as they would any other league-induced injury. Joining now is President and Founder of Health Room Defenses Fund, Leslie Manukian. Leslie, thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for writing that letter and calling attention to this, because I've been one of those people that was wondering where the players' associations for every major sport, every professional sport, were up until now. What can you tell us about the status of what's going on within these leagues?
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, Tommy. It's great to be here with you. Um You know, that interview that Hamlin did um, on Good Morning America was just so poignant, right? It was just pregnant with... his resistance, right? He did not want to say what was going on. And he was asked more than twice or at least twice what was going on. And he skirted the issue. I thought I thought that was really interesting. So what happened was we wrote this letter to the NFL PA, the Players Association. We have yet to hear a word back from them. Um, what's interesting, and I think it's so important for everybody to understand, is that Damar Hamlin is not an isolated instance. Okay. If you look globally, since the COVID vaccines have been introduced, there have been nearly 1,800 collapses, including about 1,200 deaths in athletes. Okay. That's a huge number. Historically, there have usually been about 29 deaths. and collapses in people under the age of 35. So deaths and then deaths in age in athletes globally under the age of 35. So this is a huge number. And then if you look at the United States, there've been about 65 to 70 cardiac arrest and cardiac related deaths in athletes in the United States on average in the United States in January of 2022 alone, there were 89 deaths. So there is something going on. And after the Damar Hamlin, um, uh, cardiac arrest, which means that he died on the field, we just decided that we couldn't remain silent anymore. And we penned a letter to the NFLPA and said, listen, you guys have always stood up for players, um, health and rights in the past. Why are you not doing it now? What's going on here? There's a huge body of science. Let's talk about this. Can we have a dialogue? And will you please respectfully implement some kind of a testing and, um, uh, you know, protocol to identify whether or not players have subclinical cardiac issues.
0: It's wild to me. But then when you really dig into it, it's the money that's speaking louder than anything. I mean, when you look at who is a sponsor of the NFL, when you look at the commercials that run during NFL and other major sports games and productions, I mean, they are pharmaceutical companies. They are Pfizer. So do you think that that is playing a big role in that? Not only in them not responding to your letter, but also someone like a DeMar Hamlin, who quite frankly looked like he didn't want to answer that because he didn't want the backlash of outing the pharmaceutical industry. That's what spoke to me, and I'm wondering if this is all about the dollars and cents of it all.
2: Well, it's a very, very good question, and I think that it's impossible for me to speculate exactly why they're behaving the way that they're behaving, but there is no doubt that the NFL has a conflict of interest, and the reason I say that is because the NFL participated in something called the, community, uh, the COVID Community Corps, and this was a federal program that signed up different sorts of organizations, pro sports, hospitals, um, uh, medical associations, athletes, celebrities, all sorts of people, and got them to commit to pushing the injections on their fans, their patients, or their players, their employees. And so, and this program was tied to $3 billion. I don't know how much the NFL got, whether the NFL got a penny, I don't know that, but just being one of the inaugural um, groups that signed on to this COVID community core, presents a conflict of interest. And it's no, um, it's no surprise, it's no secret that the NFL has been pushing the shots on players. This is the NFL itself, not the NFL PA, the Players Association, but that they've been, you know, promoting the shots heavily and almost every single player and most people who were um, um involved with these organizations actually took the shot. But I have something really, it's kind of a bombshell to drop, <laughs> if I may, Tommy. Um, in the last few days, I have learned from an extremely credible source that the NFL is well aware of this problem that players have been dropping in training camps, in practice and elsewhere. And that—and this is coming from someone who's connected to the medical groups. So the medical team at one of the NFL franchises, there are 32 franchises um, that they know, that everybody knows that this is a problem, and that it all began after the vaccines were rolled out.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that they know it either, because this is not just some kind of coincidence. There has been a giant cover-up, and it's not just been professional sports. It's not just been because of big pharma. It's been big tech, big government, big pharma, big media, all of it covering for this experimental COVID vaccine. And then you've got a few, a few leaders, like in Florida with Ron DeSantis and his Surgeon General, who are actually doing studies to uncover all of the side effects that are possible and to hold people accountable. But I think this is gonna be a giant problem that you can't cover up anymore. And I think what happened to DeMar Hamlin, it was so visible, people really saw it. As somebody that's in their 20s, I think that that really shook people to their very core. But I wonder, Why the NFLPA, because that's supposed to be for the players. I wonder Mm -hmm. why they're not standing up, because this is ultimately going to impact their members, their association, their players, their customers, really. And if they're dropping dead or they have major health complications and issues, that is a direct, direct link to what the NFL pushed or coerced their players to do because as we all know a lot of the sports organizations they didn't force you to get the vaccine but if you didn't get vaccinated a lot of your rights and privileges were taken away not to mention the public shame of it all so I wonder why the NFLPA wouldn't put their players first do you have any idea why that could be
2: Well, listen, with the whole traumatic brain injury situation that came to light after all the concussions, we started to learn how dangerous these were and that they actually had long, medium and long term impact on on players. The NFLPA didn't lead. The NFLPA didn't do anything. Until there was a movie that came out that exposed the whole problem with concussions and what was happening long term. And so, you know, while we'd like to think that we live in this world where people um, honor their duties and responsibilities, that's not always the case. They know. um, And I think there's there's a problem, too, that number one, the NFLPA may have conflicts that we don't know about. And secondly, there's the players. I think that we can't discount the effect of the players, right? These are young men in, in the sports that we're talking about right now, NFL but young athletes in general who've made it. And this is their ticket to riches, probably potentially to fame. And so maybe they don't want it to be exposed either. It's, it's really not clear exactly what's going on. Let's just say it's a political hot potato that nobody wants to touch. And there could be financial reasons, legal reasons, um, just, you know, personal reasons that they don't want to go there. It's impossible for me to speculate, but I think those are some of the possibilities.
0: Well, I'm so happy that you are out there and you are reminding folks of something that they would really like to sweep under the rug. But what really troubles me, you mentioned these young athletes. Of course, they've got the world at their fingertips. They've got medical resources, whether they've got vaccine injuries and side effects or not. They do have wonderful medical resources. I think about the average Joes out there. They didn't get a big NFL or MLB or NHL contract that got the vaccine to keep their minimum wage job and now are suffering the same side effects and they really have no recourse. There needs to be some kind of atonement for everything that's happened and everybody that has suffered under these vaccine mandates. But the problem like you alluded to is that there are so many people with blame on their shoulders because of it to get any accountability is going to be an uphill battle because it, it felt like everybody really came together to push this. So how do you even point the finger at one entity Before I let you go, what's next for your organization and for this fight? What are you going to do if the players' associations continue to ignore you? What is the next step in bringing some visibility and awareness to this?
2: Well, listen, I want to just say something very clearly. Health Freedom Defense Fund stands specifically for health freedom. And in the same way that we don't think that anybody should have been mandated to get these experimental injections, we also believe that people should be able to voluntarily choose whether or not they get um, testing or screening, while you say that, and I agree with you that that there are great medical resources available to these players. Listen, the doctors who work for these professional sports organizations. They have conflicts, too. They may not be telling the whole truth. They may be um, they know who pays their bills, right, who pays their salaries. And so I'm not so sure that these athletes have as many resources as you think, because the doctors may have a vested interest um, in not acknowledging what's going on. So I think that's one thing. But what's what's here for the future for us is that I am creating a coalition with a bunch of professional athletes representing a whole spectrum of professional sports. And we are going to be embarking on an initiative that shines a light on what is going on and how these professional players associations, players unions are not representing their players and how the actual sports are not actually doing their duty to protect the players as well. So we are going to be working on this. I can't say more than that. Just stay tuned. There's a big initiative coming from us, and it's going to represent um, pretty much every, every major politi- um, professional sport that, that we have.
0: When I became aware of what you guys were doing because of a former Preds player, Mike Fisher, who has been very vocal about all of this and has really helped lead the charge, especially when it comes to Nashville and awareness on this. So I know that you've got a lot of wonderful people that are willing to put themselves and their reputation on the line to make sure that there's some accountability. So all of you joining together, I have a feeling you're going to make some noise, and I'm so happy to help amplify that. Thank you for standing for freedom, and may we never be dumb enough to go through this again as a nation. And, you know, as a a global mankind.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Tommy. Yeah, more to come.
0: Thanks, Leslie. All right, still ahead. The U.S. government has quietly validated yet yet another COVID pandemic conspiracy theory. And I'm fired up and you should be too. My final thoughts are next. Hey, guys, it's Tommy, host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless, right here on OutKick. You know, I asked my guests the burning questions you want to know, and now you have the chance to ask me the questions. On February 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for OutKick VIP members only. So head to OutKick.com VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Space is limited. I'll see you soon. So you mean COVID came from a Chinese lab leak? Well, ain't that something? Add another tick mark to the conspiracy theory come true column. It's time for Final Thoughts. We've been bald-faced, lied to for almost three years, people. How does it feel? Well, for some of you, it probably feels like myocarditis, but more on that later. Here's another one for you. The U.S. Department of Energy is now getting around to admitting that whole Wuhan lab leak theory was more than likely true and the origin of COVID. Pretty wild because prominent scientists and a whole symphony of conservatives were shamed, censored, and even social media banned for putting that out there at the start of this whole charade. But the Department of Energy says it has revised its assessment based on new intelligence, but that's most likely a lie too. This whole thing has been a cover up with Fauci fingerprints all over it since day one, and that's not new intelligence, that's just the latest admission. The whole thing is unraveling and quickly, so much so that even Hollywood actors are calling BS.
2: Okay, so the movie goes like this The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all people in the world stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea?
0: But don't worry. Big media is still going to do the work of big government and big pharma and now railroad Woody Harrelson for daring to speak the truth. But you gotta love how beholden these liberals are to their lies. Even after all this, they are still trying to slander and demean detractors by calling us conspiracy theorists, which for those keeping score is no longer an insult, so keep up liberals. We wear it like a badge of honor, well, kinda like you wear your masks alone in the car. I mean, honestly, I feel sorry for those who are still buying this COVID scam, or at least pretending to as a front and a cover. How many years do you think you guys can keep this up? Because for nearly three years now, we've all been lied to about COVID. But some of you delusional libs wear your masks and shoot up your vaccines because you worship your political party. Not even your own well-being, health, or freedom is but the almighty D for Democrat. And no, we Trumpers are not the same because though Trump initially pushed the COVID vaccine... Most of us didn't get it or buy into it because Trump isn't our messiah. When it comes to shooting experiments into our arms, that's where we draw our loyalty line. You should try it someday. It could save your life. The COVID pandemic has been the biggest hoax of our time. And if you don't think they'll pull this again, you haven't been paying attention or taking a clean breath of air outside of your double mask. But lucky for you sheeple, we, the conspiracy theorists, will never let this happen again, so you're welcome. Now run along and bury your heads back into the sand where you're most comfortable. Those are my final thoughts. And don't forget, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be here in studio hosting an exclusive Zoom meet and greet for Outkick VIP members only. So head to outkick.com slash VIP now to join and reserve your spot. Don't miss it. From Nashville, God bless and take care.